Hi, I'm Kate Creech. I am a therapist and artist, and I live on Whidbey Island. Um, Devin, when Devin asked me if I wanted to give the sermon for this Sunday, he said something like, Hey, Kate, um, do you want to give the sermon for this Sunday? It's Halloween. You could talk about witches. To which I immediately responded, Absolutely, yes, I would love to do that. Uh, Devin knows my boundless love for Halloween. It is my favorite holiday. I am I'm a theater kid at heart, so I will dress up for anything. I recently had a Schitt's Creek birthday party where everybody dressed up, and I have also covered my face and hands in green body paint to be the Wicked Witch of the West. I went to find the specific body paint that they used for the musical Wicked um, for the character of Elphaba. So, um, and no, I'm not going to show you pictures. It was uh, not my best look. So. You can tell I really love Halloween. I think part of the reason why I love Halloween is because there's, it's this kind of socially acceptable way for us to dip our toes into the acknowledgement of death and horror. And we get to dress up as the things that scare us the most and watch scary movies and eat mini hot dogs that are wrapped in crescent rolls to look like, you know, little creepy little mummies. Um, and I, I think it's also why... Um, I think it's also why I like, in a church context, I like Good Friday. I think y'all have heard me talk about that before, how I appreciate Good, uh, Good Friday, because um, there's actual acknowledgement of death and suffering. It's like, oh, there's a naming of the reality that we live in and face, and it gets to be witnessed by our community, and um, we get to, there's like these official moments to name things that are actually happening, and alongside, um, like, beauty and uh, celebration and joy, which I feel like gets named a lot more um, or are more socially acceptable. And so um, moments within the church where we name, we name things um, with intention are sometimes called liturgy and also ritual. So in the middle of my deconstruction a couple of years ago, I, I worked with a woman named Heather Stringer who creates beautiful rituals for people. And before I met her, I had usually thought of ritual uh, in association to like satanic rituals or even with demons. And so she really changed my perspective on what rituals can be. And also I realized, hey, I've been doing ritual all of my life, either through baptism or through communion. So that blew my mind when I made that connection. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this I've been doing this my whole life. It's not something that's evil. Um, And it's something that the church has been incorporating for a very long time. So I, I think I also, over the years, lost this, the magic and mysticism associated with the rituals we do in church. It was something that I will, you know, that became a chore. It was also never really taught um, that it's something that we can do with intention um, that we can help, we can let those um, things in the church or even in the church calendar help us move things, move through things that we're going through in our own life um, rather than something that we simply let happen to us. So Heather really helped me start thinking about ritual um, in a really different way and, and the importance of marking things in our lives. Francis Weller writes that ritual is a gesture done with emotion and intention by an individual or group that attempts to connect the individual or the community with transpersonal energies for the purpose of healing and transformation. 
Ritual is the pitch through which the personal and collective voices of our longing and creativity are extended to the unseen dimensions of life, beyond our conscious minds and into the realms of nature and spirit. Ritual is an embodied process. So when I worked with Heather, I was going through a really intense period of grieving, and she helped me name what was happening by um, inviting me and a couple of friends, close friends, uh, to make art, to do, to use breath work, to, um, we went and howled in the woods and you know, you have good friends when they'll go and howl in the woods with you. And so she helped me mark, there's like a, a beginning and a middle and an end when oftentimes with grief, there doesn't feel like there's an ending. Like it's, it's kind of like an, it feels like it's going to be a never ending thing. Um, and so ritual is important because it helps our bodies to know that there will eventually be an ending and actually Bessel van der Kolk in The Body Keeps the Score talks about that with yoga and um, trauma work. Um, he, he uses yoga as an example of like, hey, this plank position will end and it helps our bodies connect to that there actually will be an ending to something that the, the trauma is, uh, in a sense, it helps our body to realize that the trauma is over and that there things do end. It's not continual pain. Um, and so I think even helping, uh, Heather helping me mark that for myself was my, uh, me helping my brain and body realize like there, there is a beginning, a middle and end to this. It's not endless and it can be witnessed by people. So you're not as alone in it. Um, there are researchers who've actually studied ritual named, um, Michael Norton and Francesca Gino, and they're at the Harvard Business School. And um, this is all in an article in The Atlantic, if you want to read more about this study. But they did a study where they took people and they told them that one person in the group was going to win $200. And they made their subjects feel attached to the money by asking them to write an essay about why they wanted to win and how they would spend it. So the, they had the person who actually won the lottery leave the room and the remaining people were assigned to do one of two tasks. So the control group had to draw how they felt and the, um, the other group performed a ritual. In the ritual condition, the people were instructed to draw how they felt on a piece of paper for two minutes and then sprinkle salt on the paper. And then they had to rip up the drawing and then count to 10 in their heads for five uh, count to 10 in their heads five times. So after the experiment, Norton and Gino measured levels of grief in both groups. And, and though losing a lottery is just nowhere near the, the amount of impact of losing a, a loved one, uh, rituals helped here too. They, those who did the ritual reported less grief than the no ritual group. And even people who said they didn't think rituals were work, they benefited from doing the ritual. And they did feel as bad about not winning the money. Uh, so Emily Eshafani Smith, who wrote the article in the Atlantic says that rituals, which are deliberately controlled gestures, trigger a very specific feeling in mourners, a feeling of being in control of their lives. After people did a ritual or wrote about doing one, they were more likely to report thinking that things are in check and less likely to feel helpless, powerless, and out of control. There's a scene in the 1998 film Practical Magic, which, fun fact, is actually some of the scenes were filmed here on Whidbey in a town called Coopville. It's super cute. If you want a really good day trip, 
Um, especially in October, they do a bunch of events that celebrate Halloween and the movie. Um, but there's a scene in the movie where the witches are having to battle uh, the evil spirit of an ex-boyfriend, you know, as you do. And they invited the women of their small town to come and join hands and hold a protective space for the woman who was suffering from the possession. And while we aren't having to normally deal with that level of evil on a day daily basis, which is great, um, the women in the film illustrate the containment that ritual can offer. Uh, it can be a container for our suffering when we're feeling out of control and alone. And, and that's actually what the ritual that Heather did with me really helped me feel like I can look back and remember I'm, I'm not alone as I, as I grieve and as I deal with terror. I also think about Jesus walking the disciples through the ritual of Passover as well as communion in Matthew 26, 17, when I think about this, where in that passage we're thrust into the center of him having to grapple with his upcoming betrayal, torture, and eventual death. Um, and he leans into this ritual to help hold him as he deals with what he knows is about to happen. He also um, knows that this will be a huge marker for his disciples as well even though they don't realize it yet so let's let's in, let's read the passage together um so on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread the disciples came to jesus and asked where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the passover he replied go into the city to a certain man and tell him the teacher says my appointed time is near and i'm going to celebrate the passover with my disciples at your house so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. But Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you do not mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As I read through this in preparation for talking to you today, I think some things struck me. So one of them was like the combination of like those images that he offers are truly like they would be welcome in any horror movie, like body and blood. And um, the image of suffering in the sense of we're going to hold this alongside of the comfort that this will eventually offer you of like the way that I'm making for you. And the fact that um, I'm going to name these things. And I'm also, this is also a way for you to move through the horror and the suffering and to remember that you're not alone because you're going to do it with other, you're going to do this ritual with other people and you're going to remember. And that remembrance will lead us into hope 
even though we're holding alongside the horror. This event became a placeholder for the disciples to remember later. Perhaps it was something that they thought about often in the days between Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, Maybe it was a small comfort in the middle of the horrific trauma they had just experienced and watched their friend experience. Jesus created a sacred marker with them and for us, and now communion offers space for us to step into an acknowledgement of not just Jesus' death and suffering, but the reality of what the world often holds for us um, and how we have been touched by death and suffering just by being human and living on the earth. This ritual is a way of remembering and honoring the past and present so we can step into the future with some sense of hope. Like, he doesn't leave us there. There's not just a sense of like, hey, this is, this is the horror, but also this is the hope. Um, but we need to hold both. And I think that's what communion helps us uh, to hold, is like the holding both. Crafting rituals for ourselves can be very simple. It can be as simple as I have a friend who really likes lighting a candle for herself when something really horrible has happened, or even just lighting a candle to help yourself remember peace, not even if something bad is happening, but this sense of like every day at this time, I come home from work and I light a candle. Um, Or I had a friend on the night after graduation from grad school, she took a bouquet of a bouquet of flowers that she had been given and named something as she threw each flower into the ocean. So um, even making a cup of coffee can be transformed into a ritual. A simple way to think about ritual is, um, as opposed to routine, it is done with intentionality. So even washing your hands can be made into a ritual um, if it's done with intention. Rituals help us concretize what remains wordless or what feels unreachable in us, like grief and pain, and even sometimes joy. Um, it, it, can, it can be a way of holding strong emotions um, so that it can at least be witnessed by ourselves and hopefully at some point by our community so we're not alone in it. And while it doesn't solve the problem of pain, it can e- actually ease the ache, which I imagine may have offered comfort to Jesus on his last night with his disciples as he anticipated his own death and maybe even grieved how his death would affect them, especially in the in-between. It can also comfort us comfort us as we walk through this life by marking where we have been and where we currently are, as well as holding hope for what can be. So we're about to enter into a ritual of communion, and I hope Uh, if you're wanting to take that space for yourself today, that may be holding an intentionality, a new intentionality for it um, this Sunday. Maybe it's just the fact that um, you're actually going to be present, present to how it affects you, um, or the intention of I'm going to hold space for myself to feel things um, or feel how I've been impacted by death or suffering this week um, and allow it to be a container for me to remember what has happened and also to hold the the fact that this is being held with our community and we're not alone and that and in and of itself can offer a lot of hope and soothing and um, just to acknowledge like where we are and where we have been and where we hope to be so 
it was really good to be with y'all today. Thank you um, for letting me talk with y'all, speak with y'all. So let's let's enter into our um, the ritual today of communion. Thank you. <laughs> 